It is Thursday, the 13th of May, 2021. We have a brand new member to our Patreon community, and we have a fantastic interview today talking about the legacy of Brian Pillman. That's all coming up today on this Thursday episode of the Handsome Genius Club radio show. Hey kids, welcome to the show. My name is Kingdom, Anthony Kingdom James, a.k.a. Anthony Ruckazer. And uh, welcome aboard to our newest Patreon subscriber, Chrissy Bowman. Hey, Chrissy. Yay. Uh, Some of you will know Chrissy from being around the Toronto indie wrestling scene. Uh, She was a member of the staff, the uh, show day staff at Smash Wrestling. And uh, you may know her currently. Uh, from popping up on various Twitch rest, uh, Twitch streams, I shouldn't say just wrestling streams, but um, Twitch streams from wrestlers like myself and John Greed. She's a mod on John Greed's uh, channel, and uh, she's participated in. She plays code names with us on Tuesdays. She's played poker with us before on Thursdays on my stream. A uh, few shots at uh, at Among Us with us. Uh, Chrissy is. Chrissy is part of our community, and she's great, and I'm so happy. It makes me really happy that that she is uh, subscribing to me on Patreon. It is a vote of confidence from a friend, and I appreciate that. Um, the show today, speaking of friends, uh, a, a, a longtime friend of mine is going to come onto the show, talk to us about his newest project, a uh, DVD collection of the Brian Pillman Memorial events from Cincinnati back in 98, 99, 2000, 2001. We're going to discuss a bunch of stuff about Brian Pillman and about the people who were involved in making those shows and about how the DVD set came together. 14 hours of material. But listen, let's not give it away. It's uh, it's in the interview. And and you should know, speaking of the, uh, the Patreon... That uh, I have been, uh, I'm fulfilling the promise I made to myself of doing more and more interviews, and more and more of those interviews of the of the higher power interviews. No offense to anybody involved in any of these interviews. I'm always grateful when people come on the show, but uh, some of the higher power interviews are going to start making their way to the Friday exclusive show on Patreon. Uh, I'll I'm going to start previewing the shows. If, they're, if the interviews are in the can, I'm going to start adding little previews of some of the uh, episodes to, uh, to, you know, like on Monday and Thursday, I'll preview the Friday episode. And I hope that like Chrissy and like uh, Scumbag Yates did before and and all of my uh, my subscribers, Tim Malone and Chris Myers and and, and, and Brendon and, uh, and Chloe clawing at my leg throwing me off uh, like all of my subscribers i hope that you will check me out at patreon.com slash my name is kingdom it's as little yes chloe jesus you needy cat uh, <laughs> oh my god oh there play with that play with your streamers uh <laughs> I'm not editing this out. 
I hope that you will join my Patreon, subscribe, and uh, help me build not only the show, but the community on Patreon and our listenership and everything, everything. The more it snowballs, the more I can I can create and hopefully the more I'll be entertaining you. Uh, I'm going to talk about that some more at the uh, end of today's episode. But for now, let's hit the record scratch and let's start our interview with Joe Dombrowski. Hey, kids. Our guest today is a veteran play-by-play voice who has called the action for promotions such as Pittsburgh's IWC, 1PW in the UK, Ring of Honor, and uh, my own Union of Independent Professional Wrestlers. He is also a promoter, having brought both Prime Wrestling and Premier Championship Wrestling to life. But today, he's here to discuss his role as executive producer of a new DVD set, a collection and retrospective look at the Brian Pillman Memorial Shows that ran annually uh, from 1998 to 2001 in Cincinnati, fellow handsome geniuses. Please welcome Joseph Dombrowski to the show. Hey, Joe. Hola. Uh, thank you for the platform. That was way too uh, long I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the chance to talk. <laughs> and I appreciate uh, hearing your dulcet tones once again. Oh, buddy. I miss you, too. I miss you. I miss you sleeping on my couch. Oh, shucks. Sleep, you miss, I miss you sleeping on my couch in a, in a British hotel room for 17 straight hours. I'll never not bring that up. That was a good sleep. <laughs> I will never... That was the best sleep of my life. Not bring that up. Uh, so, okay, let's let's get right into her here. You have somehow managed to corral the footage for all four Brian Pillman Memorial shows: ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand and one, plus the afternoon stuff, plus a whole bunch of uh, promotional material and and new interviews that you've done. How the hell did you accomplish this? Well, uh, the the nucleus of the issue is Les Thatcher. Yes. Um, I've known Les for a number of years now, and um, we'd always kept in contact over the years. He was one of the first people I reached out to um, when I was young and kind of breaking in, and I was looking to, to branch out, so I emailed like the 25 biggest like independent power players I could think of in Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia that I didn't know yet. Um, you know, trainers, bookers, promotions, whatever. Yeah. Um, just to get my name out there, only three or four wrote back. Les was one of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's always been great with, um, you know, any type of advice or input or critique. I think Les is just, unfortunately, I think today a lot of people underrate, his incredible contributions in the mind he has, because maybe his name hasn't been as much in the names in the mainstream as, as some other trainers like Lance Stormer or Dr. Tom, mm-hmm. but Les has just a limitless, um, you know, source of knowledge, uh, to pass on to, to anybody that is, is smart enough to listen. And, um, I had worked for Les when he was running in Los Angeles and doing the, the race for the ring, tournament for the wrestling cares association. And that was when we finally officially met. And it was probably sometime around then that in conversation, he had mentioned that he still had all the old 
um, or at least a lot of the old Heartland footage mm-hmm. uh, stored away in his garage. And we're talking TV shows, we're talking house shows, we're talking things that were just filmed for internal review that were never even released. Right. And that piques my interest, me being, you know, kind of a historian and somebody that uh, likes uh, likes this rare off the beaten path footage. Because uh, you hear about OVW and NXT and FCW, but but the HWA stuff really isn't out there. So I drove out to Cincinnati one day and and just started digging through materials. And I had seen, um, you know, there's a giant box full of Heartland footage, and, and we've been able to do. Uh, a series called Wrestling from the Heartland, the Lost Developmental Territory, profiling a lot of these never-before-seen matches with John Cena and Charlie Haas and Jamie Noble and Shannon Moore and Big Show and Eddie Guerrero and Matt Stryker and Chad Collier and Nigel and BJ and all these guys that came into that system or at least passed through uh, once or twice. Um, And I saw the filming tapes, and I asked about them, like, is this... You know, is this up for grabs? Is this on the table? Is this part of the project? Can we do something with this? And and Les told me it wasn't because the distribution rights had gone with the Pillman Estate. And they were very much distanced from professional wrestling at this point. This was probably about 2014 or 15 that we started talking about this. A couple of years later, Brian Jr. gets in the business. He starts training with Lance. I have some mutual friends that also trained with Lance and uh, Brian stopped by one of the IWC events just to visit when he had maybe just finished training or was about to train, something like that. And then once he had finished training with him living in Cincinnati at the time and me running events in Cleveland, it was an opportunity to work together. And once we had built a bit of a trust and a chemistry and a business relationship, you know, it, kind of jarred in the back of my head that I'm still sitting on these Pillman tapes and I can't do anything with them. But uh, with Brian Jr. involved as a partner, um, to me, that opens the doors to, to a ton of opportunities. Yeah. I pitched to Brian. He was into the idea, and we started uh, putting it together, and the rest is history. Now, I, uh, I you you know that I worked for less um, for the, and the HWA for a few years. Um Including being at yes. and helping backstage at uh, the '99 and the 2000 Pillman shows, uh, you see me in the background of anything? <laughs> the only um, kind of uh, carbon footprint of you that I've seen yeah. is the one picture I posted on Facebook of uh, of Just Incredible, where it looks like there's an old school uh, wrestlers union t-shirt in the crowd yeah yeah um your your presence was there for sure fantastic um now who um did you do voiceover for uh for these shows or did you have to do any voiceover for the the shows themselves or is there commentary on these shows already 98 has commentary because the uh, footage, the version of the footage we used from 1990 was actually a local television special that okay. aired on Cincinnati TV. Okay. And Les had done commentary at the time with a gentleman named uh, Dean Rawl, who many people will know as Shark Boy. Yes. Um, 99, 2000, 2001 did not have commentary, so uh, I don't think there was any type of official souped up release, which is, is so bizarre to me in the age of, you know, just content being everywhere and everything being monetized. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there was ever any commentary of record, at least none that I've been able to, to ascertain. Mm-hmm. So 
I flew down to Knoxville and, and Les and I uh, did voiceovers for all those events. And wow. not only do you, uh, do we call the action, but we also give the inside stories and Les talks about what it was like, you know, running these events and, and, and dealing with uh, just some of the hassles that comes with, with any kind of event of this magnitude. And it, it was fun watching with Les, not just because of the knowledge, not just because of, of, of the inside stories, but because in so many different examples, um, Les was watching this footage for the very first time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he had, obviously, if you're running an event and you're doing it right, you don't have time to actually sit and watch the event. And with how things were going at a breakneck pace of being WWF developmental, I don't know that he had time to sit down and appreciate the number. So yeah. there were things that, that happened that got a very genuine emotional reaction from Les as far as his, he had no idea that even happened on his show. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're not just relive, you're not just living it for the first time as a fan and, and you're not just watching Les relive it, but in many ways he's experiencing it for the first time and, and it's taking him back in that moment. I think that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I'm looking forward to getting my hands on a copy of this is because even the two shows that I went to 99 and 2000, I didn't, watch the events uh for the most part i was i was helping out backstage so you know i was doing a lot of running around and then uh just being backstage the opportunities to say hello to rick flair and ricky steamboat and you know in 2000 steven regal and a few people that you know we're we're mostly in the, the the those of us who weren't on the show and were helping out were mostly backstage and in the locker rooms uh uh just soaking in the atmosphere so um i i wonder um in going through these in going through these these tapes did uh was that part of what uh what uncle les was talking about like while this was in the ring this is what was happening backstage or, you know, just before this match started, this is what we were doing. Was there any of that? Uh, To an extent. Yeah. I mean, I think a a lot of it is, you know, on show days, especially for, you know, as you know, and as well as I know, Mm -hmm. um, so much of it's just a blur. Yeah. You know, you're putting out fires at the ticket counter, at the concession stand in the locker room. Um, so to ask Les to, 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 you know, piece his day together, you know, time point by time point would, would be just largely impossible, but, but being able to tell the story of, um, for example, Regal and Benoit, Mm -hmm. which I think is the match that most people associate with these events more than anything. Yeah. And we had heard from Dr. Tom Pritchard and Pepper Parks and, uh, Nick Dinsmore. And all those guys were, were there and, and saw that match live, and they all talk about the fact that at the beginning of that match, the crowd was very indifferent, pretty quiet, even a few people, you know, being smart asses and chanting boring. But as that match built and as it went to the next gear, you could sense that energy in the building just build and grow and grow to, uh, to a fever pitch. And by the end of the match, both guys get a standing ovation and, and Les talks about starting watching that match back at the curtain. And as the match builds, he just kind of ushers his way closer and closer to the <laughs> ring. And, yeah. and by the end of the match, he's on the apron cutting a promo. That, that's how much that affects him. <laughs> um, so 
you know, stories like that and just doing the airport runs and just talking to, to talent to, to, to get them there and, 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 uh, you know, dealing with travel and dealing with scheduling and dealing with just injuries and, and all sorts of things like that. Uh, you know, it, it, it looks, uh, slick and polished as, as a finished product if you do it right in wrestling, but, you know, getting there is always a giant dumpster fire. So, um, Les shares a lot of stories about the, the, uh, you know, behind the scenes as far as, uh, you know, the things that went well and, and, and not so well. And I think it really gives you a, uh, an accurate portrayal of how wrestling is produced for better or worse. Yeah. Did, uh, speaking of putting out fires and, 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 and putting stuff together, do you guys discuss the hurdles of organizing shows, less organizing shows that included WWF at the time? Uh, WCW and ECW talent all on the same card. Yeah, that is so surreal even to this day to think yeah. about the fact that at the height of a ratings war, um, with these offices at each other's throats, they would allow their talent to, to share a locker room with, quote-unquote, the enemy. Yeah, And I think it's a testament to the trust that everyone had in less to make that happen and pull it off in a professional way and not ask people to do anything unreasonable, you know, not, um, take advantage of, of anybody's generosity, anything like that, you know? And, and, and he credits at points guys like Jim Ross and Terry Taylor and Paul Heyman, who were very, very giving and helpful as far as uh, facilitating that to happen. But I mean, you think about the fact that everybody was going hard at that point, you know, four or five days a week on the road. And this was their day off. And they felt enough about Brian to rather than be home with their families, rather than be home resting their bodies to be, you know, at uh, Norwood High School or Cincinnati Gardens or the Schmidt Fieldhouse um, wrestling for nothing yeah. just to raise money for, for a great cause and to remember Brian. Um, and that speaks volumes about uh, just what Brian meant to this business and the people in it. The only other show I can think of that, comes close to uh to what less accomplished with with those four events was the uh the mark curtis memorial show uh outside of uh outside of pittsburgh um which was i mean just a a a huge thing that was uh, i think it was ross traver ice gardens which was a an ecw venue for a while but um just you right. know, another fantastic gathering of people from all over to uh, to pay tribute to, to to somebody who had passed on. Um, yeah, and um, to, to touch on that for a second, I, I've talked to, to Shane Douglas about that, mm. and um, you know, he's he's told me that that they were forbidden from filming that event. Um, oh, you know, really? The, the major companies did not want. Their guys, chat. yeah, I, I, and I don't know if it's just the, the 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 trust and the reputation of Les compared to kind of the outlaw rebel reputation that Shane had, uh, or, or what the deal was. But um, I've asked Shane if there's a copy out there because I'd I'd love to bring that to life too. But I I have not yet found evidence of that existing. Wow. Um, and and speaking of of Brian Hildebrand, uh, there's a very emotional moment on on this filming set discussing him and his, his fight with stomach cancer. And um, we were not able to 
have a hundred percent. Ninety nine is the only event that that is not in a hundred percent full totality. Um, but every match but one is represented. We have at least uh, highlights to finish, etc. And about half the card in full. But it, it's the most complete surviving form that we found. Mm-hmm. But I was so happy that that we were able to have Les's introduction of Brian Hildebrand on that event, oh. and the ovation that Brian got was stirring. It was emotional, and you could see the tears in Brian's eyes and. Um, just Les's whole story about wanting Brian to referee uh, Terry Taylor versus Dr. Tom because it'd be a slower pace, more kind of legend style match. Mm-hmm. But uh, Brian made it a point to, to, you know, I say request, but almost demand that uh, that he also ref the main event with uh, Ray Jr. and Conan against uh, Malenko and Benoit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Les asked him in the ring, are you sure you can do this? And Brian said, well, You'll be out here, right? Yeah. Well, if I can, you can carry me back, right? I mean, that, that's that's yeah. how much Brian loved the business and loved just being a part of that event. That stomach cancer be damned, health be damned. He was going to ref that match. He was going to be a part of that moment because, uh, you know, because it, it, it's what he loved. It was his passion. Yeah. And that was probably one of the last times he was in a ring. But, uh, but man, that was um, just so, uh, uh, so touching to see just the love and outpouring for for Mark Curtis on that show. Uh, on your website, you list uh, a conversation between uh, Les and Brian Jr. talking about the shows and talking about Brian's dad. Uh, and I know you've posted a clip of... Um, did you what, Did you post a clip of, of uh, Brian Jr. and uh, DDP? Am yes. I? Yeah. Okay. Um, did did Brian Jr. do uh, more interviews with uh, with the participants than these two? Are there are there other interviews that he's involved in for the for the set? Brian Jr. was very helpful because he was my he was my uh, boots on the ground in Jacksonville. Okay. Chris Jericho, Matt Hardy, Pepper Parks, The Blade, Christian Cage, and. Um, and also Dallas Page, uh, Brian kind of produced and and, and sat in with uh, with those talents for those interviews. Mm-hmm. I think you know, obviously, in a big way, that helped you know the access to these talents, not just from a situation of him being in the same place as them, but but obviously, again, just the the the, the reverence that people feel towards that family. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was able to uh, procure the likes of Shane Douglas and Al Snow and Dr. Tom and. I had a friend in Texas who was uh, uh, who had gotten uh, Mark Henry and Charlie Haas and Justin Credible for me. Wow! We tried to cover as many talents as we could that we could uh, contractually and feasibly get a hold of, just to get those memories. And uh, you know, there's a whole documentary uh, 20 years later inside the locker room where over a dozen guys, you know, everybody I named, plus Shark Boy and Bill Demott and uh, Nick Dinsmore. You know, all these guys share their memories of not just watching Brian, not just working with Brian, but, but of course doing the shows themselves. And I think it's a great, it's a great companion piece to the Dark Side of the Ring episode. It's a great educational tool if you're not really sure about, you know, Brian's impact on the business or maybe you weren't watching when he was around. And then the other 20 years later feature, the Les and Brian, uh, reunion is just kind of them spitballing about, uh, 
you know, the shows. Because Brian was obviously at all of them, ages five to eight. Yeah. He has a very kind of, you know, very kind of fuzzy memories. He remembers, um, you know, wrestling around in the ring with Ray Jr. and with Rico. And he remembers, um, you know, uh, uh, being a big Shark Boy fan. And he, uh, he actually did the Hardy Boys entrance with them in 2001. Him and his sister Brittany ran to the ring with yeah. Matt Jeff. Um, so, like, just getting his perspective of being, like, a little kid, still trying to process everything that's gone on in his life and, and being around it to, to kind of now, I think it's one of those things where, again, I think the gravity of the situation personally mm-hmm. and also what that event meant professionally didn't dawn on him till uh, till many years later. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the craziest thing from the Les and Brian Jr. interview, um, a piece of memorabilia I had no idea existed, Les pulled out what was very possibly the last ever eight by ten that Brian Senior attempted to sign. Oh, because there's a there's there's a, a picture of Brian like an eight by ten from the yeah. WWF, and I think it was Chip Fairway that that had asked uh, Brian to sign it for for the HWA school, okay. and Brian Brian wrote to Les, and then the sharpie ran out, and Brian. <laughs> said, oh, well, I'll I'll finish it when I get back from the road. And that was the weekend he passed. Oh, my God. Um, so Les still has Les still has that 8 by 10 that just says two less framed. And then, you know, probably the last picture Brian ever signed. And wow. just to, to, to see that was just, yeah, it, it was it was surreal. Wow. And uh, it, it is it's, it's also kind of surreal that you mentioned Chip Fairway because uh, getting ready for this. You know, I went to uh, I went to cage match as I often do before wrestling interviews, and I started, you know, poking around in a few things and stirring up some memories. Now, and I wasn't at uh, the '98 show, but '99, uh, yes. And on both of those shows, uh, Chip Fairway worked, and Chip was uh, Chip was one of Les's uh, favorites back in the day. Um, but Chip, uh, Chip has also passed away. Chip passed away. My God, uh, it's ten ten years ago that Brett passed away. I guess I I, I want to say ten years ago. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, ugh, here's a terrible thing to realize. Um, he passed away on my forty uh, uh, on my birthday in two thousand and eleven. And I, I kind of remember getting that news a, a, a day or two later. He had had a, a car accident. Did uh, did Les talk with you either on tape or or or, or just personally about um, the opportunity of these shows to uh, to to give his own students a leg up and what that meant? Oh, well, for sure. I mean, I think. Uh... Uh, again, keep in mind back in the day of, 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 you know, obviously primitive internet and no YouTube and no streaming sites, anything like that. Um, these super shows on an independent level were, were so rare. You know, I can, I can, the first example that really comes to mind is, is Pepper Parks uh-huh. and him talking about just what a big deal it was that he, Shark Boy, Matt Stryker and Chad Collier had opened um, the main card of 2001, you know, that was to that point, 
maybe the biggest match in, in all four of their careers, uh, or at least certainly up there. Uh, you know, probably, I think it was over 2,000 people by that point, and some people still say that was the best match in the card. You look at other guys like uh, a Shark Boy specifically, who says in our documentary that without the Pillman shows, um, probably wouldn't have gotten signed by WCW because that's when Terry Taylor took notice of. Him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and Nick that Dinsmore was... says the same thing. Terry Taylor took notice of Dinsmore. Yeah, and that the, the, the and Nick ended sure. up doing WCW. When Terry went to WWF, Nick went into that system, and, and the rest is history. Yeah. So. Uh, um, it was a huge deal for everybody to be a part of that and just be around so many, you know, uh, uh, talented, intelligent, uh, uh, veterans and legends of the business. Yeah. For Shark, I know that, that on that, uh, that second show, the 99 show, that that was actually the, uh, the finals of the HWA, uh, cruiserweight tournament. And, and the finals of that tournament were, um, uh, Shark Boy and Chip Fairway. So, and I remember yeah. afterwards how uh, how much that did, how much that put a spotlight on Shark Boy. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I I ask because I want to know. Uh, that was a, a fantastic moment for uh, for for Shark Boy and for a, a lot of the guys who. Uh, we're coming out of the HWA school and and got to be featured on those shows. Um, two two things that I need to tell you about uh, backstage things from the third show, which was the two thousand show. Which um, one you may have heard of, uh, heard about from talking to people, but probably you've only heard about it from me because. 20 years later i still bitch about it um and and another was uh, but the, the 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 other was a thing that uh, maybe one or two people got to witness and that was in the locker room before the uh not too long before the regal benoit match when um i i i guess i introduced myself to regal and somewhere in there uh you know talking about working for less and where I was from, uh, I mentioned that I was Canadian, that I was down from Toronto, you know, I was there from Toronto and, uh, Regal, Regal gave his own five minute Don Rickles monologue goofing on me being Canadian and Canada in general. Uh, you know, how dare you put my queen on your money and that, that kind of bullshit. Which was just, he just left me like, it was the first time I'd ever met him. And he's, he's just eviscerating me. And I'm like, this is hilarious. I don't know how I'm supposed to react. <laughs> um, but the other thing that I Tremendous. remember, the, yeah, the other thing that I remember clearly from backstage of that show, and I don't know, did you talk to Kevin Nash at all for these DVDs? Didn't get a chance to get, get a hold of Kevin. I, I'd spoken to him very briefly um, in the Middle East of all places. Hmm. Um, God, it was over a year ago at this point. Time, time has is, 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 uh, uh, become a foreign concept to me as far time, as... Time means, time means nothing. Linear, um, but linear there time is, is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Um, there is a little bit of backstage footage on... on uh, 
the, the extra features from 2000. I don't know who was kind of roving around with the camera, but there are a few backstage interviews, um, just little snippets with guys like Nash and Charles Robinson and Jamie Noble and, okay. and guys like that. So there's a little bit of a peek behind the curtain into some of the backstage stuff, but uh, um, maybe not what, what, what you're about to delve into. I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this to you somewhere years ago, but at the 2000 Pillman show, um, after the, I think it's after the photo session, um, and I, Billy Comer was there and, and, uh, Billy and I were, uh, were taking Polaroids of people. And, uh, I think it was, you know, like, uh, Benoit and Saturn were paired and Eddie and Dean Malenko were paired and people could go around and, and, and get photos. I think it was after that, that Kevin Nash said, damn this building is hot and i you know i I need a beer and found out that there was some beer backstage uh commandeered a security guy possibly two security guys to grab the buckets steel buckets of beer and walk around with him he did not want to i guess he didn't want to keep going back to the locker room to get beer and he wanted to make sure that he had enough. And enough is all. So he commandeered <laughs> security to be his fucking uh, Budweiser sommeliers. And they were carrying the buckets of beer following him around. So to get a beer backstage at the 2000 Pillman Memorial Show, you literally had to go through Kevin Nash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will I will say from watching this footage, it is quite apparent that uh that Kevin started celebrating a little early. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh he, yeah. He, he wasn't uh yeah, he he wasn't necessarily a mess. He wasn't, you know, I mean he had his faculties obviously, but uh yeah. but he was he was feeling pretty loose and feeling pretty good. Well, if you go back through that, uh, if you go back through that footage, whatever you included or whatever you have on your own, and you see, I'm almost certain it's two guys, a black guy and a white guy, but this is a 21 year old memory. So, uh, I'm almost certain it's a black guy and a white guy, fought, literally following him around backstage with buckets at this arena. Um, yeah. Like, please, if you're listening to this and you get the DVD set and you spot them, screen cap it. Send it to me and Joe. I want to prove to you <laughs> that this is not this is not a fever dream I had. Kevin Nash took <laughs> all the beer. Uh, now, uh, you brought up the Dark Side of the Ring episodes. And and I'm 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 mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you've seen them. I don't want to assume. Yeah, absolutely. I, I made sure to watch it uh, as it happened. I saw the uh, part one when it leaked online and as a free preview, and I, I made sure to watch part two pretty close to real time as it aired. Mm-hmm. Um, not just for the sake of of being able to use it as a promotional tool for Twitter, but also obviously the the Pillman family and and and, and the Pillman story has been so closely intertwined with with all of my thoughts for the past, you know, year plus, I, I was very intrigued to see, um, how they would handle it. And, and 
to to hear some of the more personal family issues that that I did not delve into on this particular set. And uh, I, I think Evan and, and Jason are so incredibly talented with the way they they weave these stories together and present them in a way that that fits the time constraints, um, but is very compelling. Whether I, I think whether you're a wrestling fan or not, and also. Um, does not take too much creative license with, you know, uh, timetable or order of events or anything like that. It, it's very factual mm-hmm. from everything I've seen at least. And it's very compelling. And it, those dark side episodes to me are something you can watch over and over and still feel something. Yeah. As you may have noticed, there's, uh, there's personality that you are familiar with from IWC in Pittsburgh who is in those episodes portraying Brian Pillman, uh, former IWC tag team champion Channing Decker. Did you did you catch sight of that, Very or did true. you know it was happening? Did you know that he was doing that? I knew. Um, I don't think it was consciously on my mind when I watched it, but, but I had heard uh, uh, about that, and I'd heard that he had done some things for the show in the past. But there was one particular shot i don't remember what it was but there was like a you know frontal shot of the face and yeah. and just the the, the channing deckerness of of his appearance <laughs> just, just hit me like a wave I was, oh yeah damn he's in this thing and i've seen him modeling some of the shirts and the merchandise they've put out since then so that's awesome man channing decker is uh he is definitely a personality turned up to 11 whether mm-hmm. the cameras are on or off so I think he's a, a perfect choice to to be involved in something like that. Well, he'll have his own episode of the show someday. So, <laughs> dare to dream. I am. Uh, he's going to be here on the Handsome Genius Club sometime in the next uh, week or two. So, uh, I absolutely plan to tease him about the possibility of his own episode one day. Uh, all right, Joe Dombrowski. Jeez, whiz, buddy. Uh, all for as complete as complete a uh, a recounting of all four Brian Pillman memorial shows from Cincinnati as has ever been assembled, uh, plus the uh, the afternoon pre-show matches, uh, interviews with uh, so many of the people that were on the show, so many of the stars that came in, interview with Les and Brian Jr., uh, press kits. Uh, all, all kinds of extra material, 14 hours, 14 hours, this, uh, this set. At least, I think it's, I think clocked in slightly more than that, but it's at least 14, probably 15 or 15 and a half. Wow. It's just, it's, it's so much footage. I was, I was concerned we would need a fifth disc, but we got it on. <laughs> it, uh, it looks good. And, uh, I think everybody will be, uh, very happy. I mean, and I'll, I'll say this too. Any any fans of, of the modern day, if you want the HD 4K incredible modern day quality, you're not <laughs> going to get that in this set. That's not you know that that's that's not a thing. But no. um, I also I also took the the time to make sure this did not look like a, a fourth generation bootleg. You know, um, I, I got the the best audio quality, the best video quality that we could possibly find. Some of it is a little rough. Yeah. On, on on one or both of those uh, uh, situations, but again, it's it's the best you have. And and if you're a tape trader or you're around at the time, or you remember just the the the, the pains of 
of, of technology and recording independent wrestling in the late 90s and early 2000s. I think you'll appreciate the authenticity because other than, uh, you know, a few things that, that we condensed a little bit for time as far as some of the auctions and the opening ceremonies that ended up running, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, other than condensing those, uh, everything is, is completely uh, intact as it was, unchanged, unedited, um, with the exception of just the, the, the commentary track on it. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think people appreciate being a part of history, you know, something that has been just heralded for, for 20 years, but other than one or two matches, no one's ever really seen. But yeah. now they finally have a chance to see something that, that honestly probably will never, ever happen like that again. Oh, God, no. No, not in this manner. Uh, so tell people where they can find the Brian Pillman Memorial Show Anthology 20th Anniversary set. You can find it at PillmanShow.com. That's the website we set up that is uh, exclusively devoted to these events and to less. We've got uh, uh, complete show results and some rare photos. Uh, you can buy the DVD set. We've got an 11 by 17 uh, commemorative poster slash art print for sale. We've got some uh, signed 8x10s of Brian Jr. for sale. Um, it's also available at my personal website, joe-dombrowski.com, along with all of my other releases, the Heartland set we talked about earlier, and uh, AJ Styles, uh, Samoa Joe, uh, Virgil, Montreal Theory, just a ton of stuff on, on sale there. Um, and prowrestlinglibrary.com is your website for digital content we have over 500 hours in total available for rent purchase or to subscribe uh we have uh tillman 98 99 2000 2001 and the bonus documentaries all uh sectioned off into the separate files there for purchase because uh nobody wants to download a 15-hour file that's a little <laughs> much but um we all have it up there <laughs> we have it all up there um as, as complete as we can. Yeah. And, and a couple of other bonus features I want to mention too that, that we didn't get into is that we have um, radio footage from radio, radio uh, audio from uh, Les's old radio show mm-hmm. um, where guys just sit down and just riff and they're completely out of character and they're just completely relaxed. And it's guys like Mick Foley, Al Snow, D'Lo Brown, Terry Taylor, uh, Dave Meltzer even pops in for a couple minutes. And they're just, you know, they're just ribbing each other yeah. and they're just doing inside material and, and, and just having fun. And it's so cool to see them just kind of, you feel like you're in the locker room, just, just kind of eavesdropping in on them. Um, and we also have, um, Chris Jericho reading the eulogy Ooh. that Bruce Hart delivered at Brian senior's funeral. Wow. And, um, that was, that eulogy was reprinted in the Pillman program every year. And um, it was Les's idea to kind of carry that forward and include that on the set, too. And uh, I asked Brian Jr. who he would like to to read that, that would kind of best, you know, uh, uh, memorialize his dad. And, and his first idea was Chris Jericho, and I loved it. Yeah. And I thought he was the perfect choice. So, um, yeah, we, we try to be very, very complete as far as just every little bit we could find uh, uh, to honor Brian and to, to accurately portray these events. And um, I think anybody that, that watches will see something, you know, uh, that, that, that they never thought they'd see. I mean, imagine an independent event today with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mick Foley and Ric Flair and Kevin Nash, and Dallas Page and John Cena versus Randy Orton. 
That was a pre-show match in 2001. <laughs> um, just all these examples of, of, of things that, that you don't expect to see Eddie Guerrero, um, you know, Kevin Nash, um, you know, it's just weird for me to see like, got Billy Kidman on an independent show, just like things you, you don't, your mind doesn't perceive as like feeling natural. They, yeah. they never happened before, but they happen here. And, um, uh, there, there's something for everybody. And there's just so much on this set. Um, it's a steal for, for twenty nine ninety nine. And, uh, tell people where they can find you on social media, Joe. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Joe underscore Dombrowski. That's that's really the best way to, to seek me out. Uh, Facebook, I'm always kind of knocking the top of my head on that uh, 5,000 friend class ceiling. And uh, Instagram, I forget I have about 75% of the time. So Twitter, you can get all the daily updates of uh, where I'm at, what I've got going on, uh, events with uh, IWC and AAW in Chicago, Um you know, DVD releases, preview clips, um, shipping updates, all that fun stuff over on the Twitter machine. Very good, sir. Joseph Dombrowski. My God, sir. Thank you for coming on the Handsome Genius Club radio show today. Why, thank you for having me. It's been an honor to play the role of the Handsome Genius for <laughs> uh, an hour or two, and I will humbly go back to uh, being a, uh, a hideous simpleton in everyday life. <laughs> Oh, you know, the phrase hideous simpleton reminds me of so many of the mutual friends we have. Uh, Or should I say acquaintances, if I'm going to call them. (laughs) If I'm going (laughs) to. Yeah. Uh, You're not wrong. You're not wrong. uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Every once in a while, you just got to clean out your Facebook friends list. Uh, (laughs) What a way to end this. Joe, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Okay, kids, that is going to wrap up the show for today. Thank you very, very kindly once again to Joe Dombrowski for coming on the show. Uh, Let's see what we've got uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow is our Patreon exclusive show. We've got uh, Jordan Scumbag Yates. Ontario indie wrestler Scumbag Yates is going to come on the show, and we're going to talk Ontario indie wrestling and uh, Twitch streaming and and all kinds of nonsense. And then on uh, Monday, we've got Addie Star, the queen of crazy Addie Star. Addie is, of course, a title holder with interspecies wrestling out of the uh ottawa montreal area and they have a campaign going on right now addy is well known as a deathmatch wrestler and as uh and for using lego as a weapon sacrilege say the people of otisburg we're going to talk to her about hardcore wrestling about her day job and how lego became part of her deathmatch uh, choice of weaponry and uh, and about ISW's current 1 million blocks uh, campaign. They're, they're trying to get together 1 million uh, Lego and Mega Blocks and whatever other knockoff brands they can, they can find. Is Lepin still being made? No, the Chinese government closed Lepin down. But they're trying to get together literally 1 million building blocks for one huge 
hardcore match. And uh, we're going to talk about all that and a hell of a lot more on Monday's show. Uh, we also have we also have shows coming up with Dan Mendoza, comic book artist Dan Mendoza, who's got a Kickstarter going on right now, with Channing Decker, with comic book creator Jamal Eigel. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of interviews coming up, and um, and I'll tell you now, more and more, the interviews are going to be shifting to uh, to Fridays. They're going to be shifting to the Patreon exclusive show, and you know we're going to preview stuff here on uh, on on Mondays and Thursdays. But to get the really really choice stuff, you're gonna have to sign up for Patreon. So uh, patreon.com slash my name is, my name is Kingdom. Oh, what a time to stumble! Uh, all my social media is available at my name is Kingdom. Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and of course Patreon. And uh, the uh, the Teespring store, my name is Kingdom dot creator uh, dash spring dot com. Oh man, and hiccups at the same time. Oh, I'm such a professional broadcaster. Uh, <laughs> more stuff is going to be making its way into exclusive spots on the Patreon, including I have uh, written. And I'm about to film the first of a little set uh, of uh, just little stories, little storytelling moments. And it is actually the one that I've I've come up with first is a story that I know for a fact I have never told on the air anywhere before. If you've heard about this story from me, it's been in person. Um, So this is the first time I'm ever committing this to video or audio anywhere and uh let's just say that uh the names have been removed not just changed the names have been removed to protect the guilty (laughs) and that is going to be exclusively on patreon trust me these stories are going to be worth it um okay that's it for today as i say tomorrow Patreon exclusive, Ontario indie wrestler Scumbag Yates, uh, and then uh, then we're back on Monday. Until then, please, kids, take care of one another. Find some good trouble to get into. Your Uncle Kingdom loves you. Bye.